0: And now I'm
1: really excited about our guest speaker for today. I'll tell you what, you know, I, I met Pastor Matt a number of years ago. And let me tell you something. I just absolutely fell in love with this guy. Uh, I truly did. I mean, this, this, is a, this is a man who has a heart for the Lord. And uh, beyond that, he has a heart for, for Israel. He has a heart for the Jewish people. He has a heart for Messianic Judaism. Uh, like not many in, in the in the uh, pastor ranks do. He he gets it. You know what I'm saying when I say he gets it. Uh, and and it was so interesting because as I was preaching over the last you know number of years ago, I would look and I'd see this guy here, and it's like okay, I think I think that's that. I think that's Pastor Matt. And there he is again the next week, and I'd see him, and he would be coming to services regularly. And it's like, wow, I love that, you know. And and, and he would come usually on a Friday night. And it would just be such a blessing. And, I, and after that, of course, I got to know him and spend some time with him and, and fell in love with him and, uh, and his family. I say his family, and only his wife, uh, Brooke, but also as of, well, he'll probably tell you, I don't know, maybe like about a month ago or so, uh, he is a new father of a sweet little girl, yes. So pray for his sleep. And uh, but but she is a cutie Ruth. And so what a blessing that is. And uh, and uh, he is the discipleship pastor at North Metro Church. This is a very, very large church here in Metro Atlanta. And uh, and they are really blessed. Let me tell you what, when they uh, got Pastor Matt, they they absolutely got a total winner in the Lord. He's great. He, uh, he's a studier of the Word of God, of languages and all, and, uh, but he has a heart for God. But man, he's high energy. Get ready. He moves his hands so much, I'd say he's Jewish. He's got to be Jewish. He's got to have some Jewish in him because he's a hand mover. You're going to see he's going to be a blessing. Y'all, he's my good friend. Let's welcome Pastor Matt Johnston, everybody. Come on.
2: Come on. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you for praying for my sleep, but I have forgotten what sleep is, if I'm going to be honest with you. What is sleep even? Um, I'm honored to be here with you today, and uh, I want to start off by telling you a little bit about a communication theory that I learned. You see, my undergraduate degree is in communication arts with an emphasis in public speaking, which that worked out well that I did that. And there's this communication theory called primacy recency theory, all right? Anyone familiar with this? Show of hands, anyone ever heard of it? You've heard of it? Oh, man. Okay, good. All right, what this theory suggests is that the first thing and the last thing that people hear is what they they will most remember. It's what they will most retain. So therefore, it begs to reason that the first thing and the last thing that you say are the most important things. Now, this is true in uh, in discourse. This is true in, in public speaking. This is also true conversationally. And all of you will know this. The way someone starts conversation, sometimes even the way someone starts a sentence is everything because they can turn you off to the rest of the sentence. So just think about this. When someone comes up to you and they go, no offense, but, you know, that's not a good start to the sentence because what's going to happen? You're going to take offense to what they say. You know you're going to take offense. Offense not intended is not always offense not, you know, received as offensive. When people start a sentence with like, I don't want to make it awkward, but, it's going to be awkward, okay? That's not a great way to start a sentence. So in primacy, recency, the first thing that p- person says, it turns you off to the rest of the sentence, right? Okay? We could go on for days. There's a million different things, but here's one I hear a lot lately, too. They go, um, I'm not an expert, but I don't need the rest of that sentence. If you're not an expert, I don't need to hear the rest of the sentence, right? Sometimes, too, people make it awkward conversationally when they go up to you. Someone had the audacity. The unmitigated gall to come up to me one time. We have a lot of pastors on staff, and someone goes, hey, yeah, I was telling someone about you the other day. I was like, he's the tall, loud one. Not a great way to start the conversation. I don't want that to be my thing, though I am kind of both, so I got to own that. But this happens in conversation, too. The beginning of what you say is very important. In the end, the last thing you say is also important, and this can create conversational awkwardness as well. Um, I'm just the most awkward birthday person in the whole entire world. Um, I'm, I'm usually, like, telling other people what I like about them and encouraging others. So when people say something nice to me, I'm always like, "Ah, oh, yeah, you too. Yeah, 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 back at you. So, like, when people tell me happy birthday, like, I'll have a whole conversation. And they'll be like, oh, happy birthday. And I'll be like, same to you. Which makes no sense at all. And I made the conversation awkward. Like, happy birthday to you too. I have this other thing I struggle with at the end of conversations, and this is such, like, a, it, where I work and in the church context, I work, so many, I work with so many incredible people. But all the time, people go, love you, bro. Now, I'll say I love you to my family. I'll say I love you to my beautiful wife, Brooke. I'll say I love, uh, I love you to my beautiful daughter, Ruth. But sometimes I feel weird because, like, I don't know if I know someone like that. So they'll be like, I love you, bro. And I'll be like, love, love your shoes, man. Those are some nice shoes. Those are some clean kicks. So Those new Ugh. And then I made the conversation awkward. I just can't do it. I love you, bro. I'll be like, "Happy birthday to you, too." No, no, that's not what you said to me. Someone's like, "Uh." So the beginning and the end, the first and last thing you say is important. And what I want to do today is I want to look at. And I'm going to explain to you why I, I want to go here. We're going to look at one of the letters from the Brighadasha that Rabbi Shaul wrote to the, church, to the gathering of believers, the followers of Yeshua, in Rome. And what I want to look at particularly is the first thing Rabbi Shaul writes and the last thing Rabbi Shaul writes, because that is going to be important. It's going to bookend this letter to the followers of Yeshua in Rome. And here's what I want you to take away. And I love when people talk back in in a service, in a gathering. I love when people talk back. It's engaging. I get to talk to you and you get to talk back to me. And so here's what we're going to learn about. Here's what Rabbi Shaul is going to write. He's going to write about, and he's going to express gratitude and encouragement. So I want you to say gratitude, gratitude. And, encouragement. and encouragement. If you're watching it online, you can type that in. Gratitude, gratitude. and encouragement. Rabbi Sheol is, Sheol is going to lead with that. That's going to be the first thing. And it's going to be the last thing. And the two are going to mirror each other and hold this work together. And perhaps you're wondering, why, if this guy's visiting, what, like, why would he not teach from like the Tanakh or something like that? And, and quite frankly, I love teaching from the Tanakh. I love Old Testament. I love Hebrew. I'll get at that more later. And so... When Rabbi Kevin very generously asked me to come speak, I was like, (laughs) I'm going to teach from the Tanakh. I'm going to get into all kinds of Hebrew. I'm going to have a field day. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be able to say stuff I don't usually get to say in my current context, yada, yada, yada. But then the Lord, but then the Lord, (laughs) he kind of led me a different way. And I had a different word, and I had something that I felt like the Lord wanted me to communicate And so I went to Romans, and that's where we're going to be today. And I feel like what Rabbi Shaul says, and to whom he says it, and in the context in which he says it, very much reflects my relationship with Beth Hallel. Very much reflects my relationship with the Messianic movement in general. And in this, I want to talk about... We're going to look at, like I said, the first thing and the last thing Rabbi will writes. But we're going to talk about gratitude, gratitude. And, encouragement. and encouragement. Now, let me give you some context for the letter to the Romans. Now, Rabbi Shaul wrote this in the middle of uh, ministry, and he's sending it, This he's penning this letter to the followers of Yeshua in Rome, which at this time in the early first century, this is the epicenter of culture and civilization. This is the center of the world because the Roman Empire was ruling over the world. So this is a very influential place. Now, the earliest gatherings of followers of Yeshua were Jewish because they always were. And as someone who works in the uh, Protestant tradition, I am keenly aware of that, that that doesn't always get articulated in a spouse. They were Jewish. Jesus's, or Yeshua's disciples were Jewish. Where did Rabbi Shul always go first when he visited a town? The synagogue. It's, it's painfully obvious in, in Acts. I don't see how you not, how you don't see it in the book of Acts. And so they were, they were Jewish, but here's what happens in Rome in the early first century. Emperor Claudius comes to power, and he, in a fit of rage, some historians think over his wife stepping out on him, in rage, he expels Jewish people from Rome. And so they're, they're kicked out, and there's kind of this movement away. But then, this other emperor comes to power, named Nero, now, young Nero was kind of promising. We hear Nero now, we're like, yikes. But young Nero was kind of promising. So he became emperor at age 17, and so people were like, okay, well, let me go check that out again. Let me go see what's going on there. And so these Jewish followers of Yeshua come back, and these gatherings of followers of Yeshua, is, they're different. Like, they're really different. Like, if you've ever, like, left your own town and then came back and be like, I don't even know, where am I? Like, I don't even recognize this anymore. That's kind of the same effect, because here's what happened. As we know, and part of the Lord's redemptive plan, many Gentiles became followers of Yeshua. And so, what was once this kind of, this mixed demographic of Jewish and Gentile followers of Yeshua, well, you take away the Jewish element of that, because they were kicked out of Rome. Now, when they come back, the culture's different. And so Gentile followers of Yeshua go, uh, <laughs> you guys still want to be uh, Torah observant? Uh, no, we're not doing that anymore. And the Jewish followers of Yeshua go, uh, why exactly are we not doing that? Oh, Specifically, why are we not doing that? That's, that's covenant fidelity. That's obedience to Yeshua. That's actually walking in the footsteps of Yeshua. Why are we not doing that? And then... Gentile followers of Yeshua were like, oh, because this, that, and the other. And there was contention, and there was division. And people, they had beef over this, as, as, as my culture would say, as, as my generation would say, they had beef over this. And they were going back and forth. And so Rabbi Shaul has to write into this hotly contested culture. And what's really interesting is, man, when you read Romans in context, it just enlivens the text. And I love when we're able to enliven the text. Rabbi Shaul, who is an emissary to the Gentiles, which I feel like I kind of connect with that. I'm an emissary in my pastoral setting to, to the Gentiles. He sends someone named Phoebe, this woman, to come and read the letter to the Romans. And as she does so, she's reading it to these, these Jewish and Gentile groups of followers of Jesus that are meeting in houses. Historians and scholars believe it was about five different houses in Rome. And as she would read the letter, this brilliant scholar named Scott McKnight actually writes about this, and he said she would actually more so perform it. It was a performative act. She wouldn't just get up and be like, Dear church in Rome, this is so, so blah 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 blah. No, she would perform it. And Once you know this, you read Romans differently. At specific points, Phoebe knew to turn and address the followers of Yeshua who are Jewish. And then at other points, she knew to turn and address the followers of Yeshua who are Gentiles. Because again, there was a lot of contention there. So when you read Romans through this lens, you start to see it more. And a lot of times, and in a lot of contexts, Romans is kind of esoteric, systematic theology especially in kind of the tradition that I come from and I serve him, which is beautiful and great. But man, it's actually applied pastoral theology. It's applied rabbinic theology. It's let's get this together so we all together can faithfully follow Yeshua together. Like, let's get this thing figured out. Now, when Shaul writes this, here's one other thing I want to point out, which is really cool. Rabbi Shaul is not in Rome. So this is kind of a socially distanced message. This is a correspondence. So if you're watching here online, this is, I'm, I'm kind of vibing with Rabbi Shaul with this. Not only am I an emissary to the Gentiles, but I'm sending this socially distanced message to you. And as Rabbi Shaul is writing to this, these very diverse groups of house gatherings that are committed to following Yeshua, he writes with great affection and love and fidelity. And he name drops 26 different names in Romans. We all have that one friend that name drops people, you know what I'm saying? You're like, we get it, you know people, okay? Well, Rabbi Sheol does this in a redeemed way, in a right way. And he calls people out. We call this, uh, (laughs) me and my friends call this giving people like a shout out, okay? He's like, shout out to Phoebe. Shout out to uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Shout out to Junia. Shout out to everybody else. Shout out to Timothy. And you see this love and fidelity and connection, which again, I resonate with Rabbi Shaul in this. As I'm an emissary to the Gentiles, I'm sending this kind of socially distanced message to some of you. And I have this deep affection for Beth Hallel, for the Messianic movement. And so what we're going to do is we're going to open to Romans 1, because remember, the first and the last thing. We're going to open to Romans 1. Then at the end we're going to flip all the way to Romans 16. So if you have your text with you, you can open to Romans chapter one. And real quick, if I can draw your attention to Romans one one through six, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it verbatim. But here's what Rabbi Shaul does brilliantly. He gives them what I call the opening crawl to Star Wars. Okay, you know at the beginning of Star Wars, like dun, 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 bah, bah, bah. and it gives you kind of the backstory. We're like, okay, all right, get it, all right. The empire's ruling the guy. Okay, got it, got it, good. And he's giving them like the whole backstory of what the Lord has done in the Tanakh, in the, in the, in the Old Testament, and then all throughout redemptive history, culminating in Yeshua. And and Rabbi Shul, he waxes eloquent about the atoning death and victorious resurrection of Yeshua and the implications of that. And he brilliantly ties Yeshua to David from the Old Testament because he talks about the seed of David and this is just a continuity moving on. And this is what we find ourselves This is the stream we find ourselves in. This is the story. This is the unfolding or redemptive history we find ourselves in. And so we get this beautiful background, this beautiful canvas In the background that Rabbi Sheol is then going to write and speak into. And so may I draw your attention to verse 7. This is what Rabbi Sheol writes. He says, to all those in Rome, loved by God, called to be kedoshim, called to be holy. Um, Man, in Bibles that we teach from in my church, it says, saints, I love kedoshim. Mm -mm -mm, I love kedoshim. Grace to you, okay? If, If you highlight or underline, underline grace to you and shalom, underline that, from God, our Father, and the Lord, underline Lord, Yeshua, the Messiah, underline Messiah. Now, I want to show you something really cool that Rabbi Shaul is doing here. Again, you, you guys tell me, is Rabbi Shaul just writing to Jewish followers of Yeshua? No. Is he writing to just Gentile followers of Yeshua? Nah. So, here's what Rabbi Shaul is doing. In his greeting, he says, grace to you. He starts with the word Grace. In Greco-Roman culture of this day, the format for a letter was such that you would, you would use the word charis, which is, which is grace in Greek. And this was just common. Instead of like greetings, or instead of like hope all is well, it's charis, grace to you. So for the Gentile followers of Yeshua, they go, okay, cool. This is a letter like we would write. This kind of vibes with us. This is like part of our culture. But then what does he say? What, what, what's his other greeting that he uses? Shalom. Who does that appeal to? The Jewish followers of Yeshua. And so you see, this a brilliant, beautiful way that Rabbi was connecting with both and tying the two together. Haris the Shalom. So I don't care if you're Greek, I don't care if you're Hebrew speaking, greetings. Okay? Like you get the punchline greetings. And then look how he refers to Yeshua, Lord. And then he says, Yeshua. Mashiach, Yeshua HaMashiach. Okay, well, the word Lord here is kurios in Greek. And when you would see kurios in Greek, if you were starting the letter hot, making these like big claims, and you use the word kurios, means Lord or King, most people identify kurios with the king of the day, who was Caesar. And part of this subversive movement of the, of the movement and the followers of Yeshua was that like, mm, I mean, get to Caesar what Caesar, but Caesar, he ain't king. Like he's not Lord. Yeshua is. And so for the Gentile followers, when they hear curiosity they're like, oh yeah, that's right, because Yeshua is Lord. Caesar is not ultimately Lord. And so that would resonate with them. But then he calls Yeshua Mashiach. Who is that for? The Jewish followers of Yeshua. And so they go, oh, yeah, that connects to, you're talking about the seed of David earlier on in the the first couple of verses. Okay, yeah. And so we see this appeal to both, even linguistically, stylistically, uh, didactically, rhetorically. We see this, and it's brilliant. And then Rabbi Shaul continues, verse 8. First, remember, primacy, recency, first thing he's going to say. First, I, I emphasize that, underline I. Anytime you see I or my, circle or underline it. Check this out. We're going somewhere with this. First, I thank my God through Messiah Yeshua for all of you because your faithfulness is made known throughout the whole world. So this starts with gratitude, right? And couched within that, folded in, is encouragement. So everyone say gratitude and encouragement. That's what we see here. Now, let me point something out to you. I don't want to use too many Greek or, or do too many Hebrew words. I want, to, I want to keep it in our vernacular, but, but here's something you got to know. When you see the word faith or faithfulness, he's, he uses the word faithfulness here. A lot of times and in a lot of other translations, it's, it's faith. This word in Greek is, is pistis, is how you say it. And yes, it has this connotation of believing in something despite maybe it seeming unbelievable. Hebrews in the book of Hebrews, we read about this in the New Testament. Yes, there is an element of that of believing something that maybe seems hard to believe, like you know, University of Georgia ever winning like a championship. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't know. I I didn't. I was asking Rabbi Kevin, I like, who's the sports team here? I can make fun of. Uh, (laughs) I'm a Giants fan. Okay, I'm a New York Giants fan. So come at me, bro. Anyway, (laughs) so there's that aspect to it, but then there's also this aspect of allegiance and loyalty. This brilliant New Testament scholar named N.T. Wright writes about this. Another brilliant scholar named Matthew Bates writes about this. And there's this loyalty and allegiance aspect to pistis. So yes, it's, it's believing in something that maybe seems like contrary to fact or hard to believe, but it's also allegiance and commitment. And Rabbi Shoal is exhorting, he's encouraging these followers of Yeshua and these five different house churches in Rome. He's saying, you guys are doing it. You guys are doing the thing. I'm so thankful for you and your are faithfulness to Yeshua, your allegiance, your, your fidelity, you're faithfully following Yeshua, yo, it's getting out. Like, word is getting out. Other people know about this. You're being a witness, and you're being an example, which is the whole point. And so he's lifting them up with gratitude. Say gratitude. gratitude. And, encouragement. and encouragement. Now notice, now we move on. Now keep this whole, like, faith thing in mind, because we're going to circle back to it. Then he, he goes on, Verse 9, and we're going to read a little chunk here. For God is my <clears throat> my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the good news of his Son. How unceasingly I make mention of you, always pleading in my prayers. If somehow by God's will, now at last I will be granted a good journey to come to you. For I long to see you, this is where we're going to post up in the next two verses, for I long to see you, so I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is to say, we would be encouraged together by one another's faithfulness, same word we just talked about, both yours and <clears throat> mine. Did you guys catch all the eyes and my's? So, rhetorically, when we're looking at this, this will help you when you're studying the scripture. When you see repetition, it ain't on accident. That's intentional rhetorical intentionality. Shaul is using I, my, mine, I, my, my me, me, I, my, my, my. You might be thinking, like, man, this guy's a narcissist. All he ever talks about is himself. Okay, like Paul, get off of it already. But Shaul is intentionally doing this to create connection. To express fidelity, he has this personal affinity. He has this, uh, and he's expressing this effusive encouragement of these people that he loves and he cares for. So it's deeply personal. This is a deeply personal message from Shaul to these people. Again, I resonate with this. This is why I'm in this text, and we're gonna, we're going to explore that and unpack that. I'm going to use some I and my language today to speak to all of you, to speak to you online watching, and so I love this because. When we read the text, sometimes people kind of read this tritely, like, mm, shovels, writing, blah, 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 blah. No, this is fidelity. This is intimacy. This is affection. This isn't like, you know, I gave you guys a good review on Yelp, okay? It's not like, I lied yourself your stuff on Facebook, okay? No, this is deeper than that. And then Rabbi Shul says, he says, I long to be with you. I long to see you. Right there at the beginning of verse 11, I long to see you. This word in the Greek, it it communicates this deep affection. This isn't trite. This isn't rote. This isn't fabricated. It's deep connection that he feels with him in this deep abiding love. And then he says, look at this in verse 11. He says, so I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Now we might wonder, like, what what does he mean by spiritual gift? Well, this word in Greek is actually charisma. It's actually a form of this word charis we talked about earlier, grace. It's actually what Shaul is saying here is, I want to share some grace with you. That's what he's saying to this audience. I want to share some grace with you. I want to give you something good. And this is a gift that I'm going to give you. This is an encouragement I'm going to give you. And then look what he says. He says, <clears throat> to strengthen you. This is the point. He wants to give them a good word, give them some grace that it will strengthen them. And what's the other thing he says in 12 it says, um, so that you may be encouraged." Well, these verbs in Greek to strengthen, and I've used too many Greek words on so out, I only allow myself a certain amount I'm tapped out, right? Maybe I'll bring back one later when you forget about that and then I'll like, incorporate another one later, okay uh, <laughs> But these these two verbs strengthened and encouraged, this might sound like nerdy grammar, but this is significant. They're both passive. They're both passive infinitive verbs, which basically what Shaw is saying is I'm not asking anything from you right now here at the beginning, and I'll do it at the end too. I'm not really asking or demanding anything. I want you to be strengthened by my message to you. I want you to be encouraged by my message to you. He's making it about them and it's this passive endeavor, this passive engagement. He wants them to be built up and strengthened. And so I wanted to get into this text and the Lord put this text on my heart, even though I really wanted to teach something from the tonight so I can use a ton of Hebrew. This is what the Lord gave me because this is exactly where I wanna go today. This speaks the same sentiment that I would like to speak to all of you. This expresses the same affection that I would like to articulate to all of you and all of you watching online tonight. And I want you to passively receive this. In, uh, in my church world, what happens a lot of times is, um, depending on the speaker, depending on the day, people will shout down the preacher, okay? They're like, yeah, go ahead, like, say more, da 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 right? There's different things you say. You shout down the pastor. Today, this pastor wants to shout you down. And that's what I'm here to do tonight. I want to shout you down. And I want to I want to give you a a charisma. I want to give you a a gift of grace tonight. I want to give you, I want to strengthen you in your resolve tonight. I want to encourage you. And in fact, I'm already gonna break my rule. The the word for encourage here is parakaleo, which means to come alongside and speak a good word to. And that is what I want to do here tonight. And so by means of doing that, I want to tell you my story, I want to tell you my background of engagement. With the Messianic movement, and specifically with its beautiful, wonderful expression here at Beth Hillel. So, can I story tell for just a second? Can I story tell for just a second? So, I was born in 1987. No, we're not going go to <laughs> go that far back. Sorry, we're not going to go that far back. But when I was a, a little kid, I was really, really into the Bible, and I was very, um, I was very inundated by all New Testament stuff, all New Testament right? Church I went to is just New Testament, New Testament, New Testament, memorize Romans, memorize John, yada, yada, yada. Well, then I started getting kind of curious where I'm like, how can we never, ever teach from the Old Testament? Like no denominational church I went to ever did that. So I was like, this is weird. Then I went to college and my mentor, this incredibly brilliant professor was a boss at Old Testament and Tanakh studies. He taught me Hebrew, he taught me, like, eat. oh, man, like, he just broke up the Tanakh in little bits and kind of, like, baby-birded it to me, and I loved every bit of it. In fact, he even gave me the opportunity, after I took three years of Hebrew, he let me teach Hebrew as an undergraduate. I fell in love with it, I fell in love with the Tanakh. And I'm like, how can we never talk about this? I, I, like, how come people don't know about the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim? How come I never knew that? I grew up in church my whole life. Why didn't I know about that? And during this time, when I was in college, I found out that there was this gathering of people, and people— um. They called it a Messianic Jewish congregation. And I was like, I don't know what that is. But my mentor, my professor, he's like, oh, it's great. I go and teach Hebrew there sometimes. Sometimes I'll teach there. And I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. So I'll go check it out. And it was awesome. And there was a rabbi there named Rabbi Jeremy. And a uh, cool sidebar story. He actually, he was a Jewish man, not a follower of Yeshua. And he was in a, a, like an Easter pageant, Easter drama thing. And he was playing Yeshua, <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I'll take a check. Like, I don't care. Like, whatever. I don't need to believe in him or whatever. He was on the cross, right? And he said he had this incredible, like, vision and movement. And he's like, I need to follow Yeshua. He was Messiah, right? Cool side story. Anyway, so he became a Messianic Jewish rabbi. I attended there. Loved it. Thought it was awesome. Intrigued me. I was like, ooh, they do liturgies here. This is amazing. Ooh, they speak Hebrew here. Love it. So then even in post, I moved away from this place where I went to college. Uh, Even in my postgraduate days, I was a nerd for the Old Testament because like the summer I graduated, I'd go to coffee shops because I had nothing else to do. And I read through Kohelet, Ecclesiastes, and I would just translate it from the Hebrew. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Translate. Translate. Loved it. Well then, so for my whole ministry career, I just had a fondness and affection for the Tanakh and how that factors into the New Testament and how there's just a paucity of sermons about it and a paucity of theology. And sometimes there's even this theology of like, the New Testament doesn't really, that's not a thing anymore. Like, mm, what? So that kind of brings me to uh, a couple years ago. I uh, I was working at a church in Paulding County, not the church I work at now. And I was going through a very, very, very difficult season. And uh, it was a difficult season in ministry because I was trying to figure some things out. I also was trying to find, like, I didn't, Feel like, I fit in at my seminary, which is Presbyterian. I didn't really theologically fit in at my church at the time, which was Methodist. Big love to Presbyterian churches and Methodist churches, big love to you. But I, I felt like there were things where I didn't fit in, and I was wandering. The church was going through a difficult season, and I, I, just, I was starting to feel exhausted. I was a worship leader at the time. I was doing like a bunch of jobs and I was just feeling really fatigued, really exhausted. Some people from, from that church might be watching now and uh, when I make a couple of remarks here in a minute, you'll know the time frame I'm talking about and there's just a lot of tumult in the church. And I was like, man, I need something good for my soul. Well, something wonderful was happening in, in my life at that time as well. I met this incredible woman named Brooke and we became engaged and then we got married because that's what you do after you get engaged. And we were driving to our wedding venue in East Cobb. And we were driving to downtown Roswell. And y- y'all see where this is going? And we passed this road out here on the way to our wedding venue. It's a beautiful little restaurant called Table in Main, if you've ever been. And I noticed, I, I kind of did a double take. I was like, huh, what? And I saw Beth Hello. I was like, oh, cool, synagogue out here. And then I saw like the Messianic Jewish congregation. I go, whoa! I'm like, what? We, we have one of those here? And... It stuck with me. Months later, probably about three, four months later, I was still going through this really dry season at the church I was at. Just fatigue. I, was, I, just, I, I felt like I need to be fed. I need to just be able to go and worship and not have to like do anything or perform anything or prepare anything. And just be ministered to and just be blessed. Um, I need something, but I can't go to other churches on Sunday because I work on Sunday. But I'm free on Friday night. And my wife at the time, Brooke, was working on Friday nights at a restaurant gig. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go check this out. So in February of 2018, I made the decision, I'm going to go check out Bethel Law. I'm going to see what's, what's going on there. Walked in, like any good first-time visitor, I sat right on the back row. I don't, know, I don't know if you people on the back row are first-time visitors, if you are welcome. If you just like to sit there, hey, I get it, all right. But I hid back there. I brought my... Hebrew Bible with me, brought my Tanakh with me. And I was like, let's get it. And I was a little pensive. I didn't know what to expect. And I loved every minute of it. And when the Hebrew came on the screen, I was like, yo, I know some of that. And with the, the rich liturgies. And then I'll never forget when they said, I love that you guys say this every week. These are traditions that are 2000 years old. Come on now. And these are things Jesus, uh, that Yeshua would have spoken in the temple Stop. Come on now. Man, there is a resonancy and a vibrancy to that. And so I was moved. And then I noticed, I'm like, how come everybody here is raising their hands all the time? Because I've been in church context with a laser light show rivaling that Super Bowl halftime show with smoke and mirrors. And everyone's just like, okay, where's lunch? Where's lunch? People here getting it. Like just hands in the air, singing, rocking, dancing. And I'm like, wow, there's something going on here. There's some substance here. There's, there's, there's a movement of the spirit here. It was good for my soul. So I just started coming regularly. As you were talking about, I just started regularly attending. I was like, you know, I'm just going to post up. I'm just going to keep going there every Friday. It was incredible for my soul. The drive out here was a little long, beautiful prayer time. Drive home, good reflection time. And my, my wife and I would actually get home like close to the same time. So it actually worked out perfectly in that season. And uh, sorry, I keep adjusting this. I'm just going to call it out because it's always great to break the fourth wall. Obviously, I don't normally wear one of these when I'm teaching, and I move a lot, okay? And I just got a haircut. She cut it too short. Don't have enough hair to hold it, okay? Don't judge me. Don't judge me, lest you be judged. (laughs) So anyway, I'm coming here regularly. I'm loving it. And then, this is February 2018, a couple weeks pass, Pesach is coming up. It's Passover. It's a Seder meal. Well, Rabbi Kevin was talking to me about it. And I was like, okay, that sounds amazing. I want to go, want to go, want to go, want to go. My wife wants to go. My wife's curious. My wife's like, she's liking what I'm telling her. She's like, that sounds amazing. Because everything I told her, I need to just backtrack for like three seconds here. I told her there was a resonance there. There was a weight and a glory there. There was a cavode there that was different. Bro, I'm going to be real with you. I was thinking about this when you were playing. I think you were leading that night too. I think so. You're wearing a mask now, so I don't recognize. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just, I know you are. I'm just kidding. But I think you were even leading. And I said, there's, there's some substance here. There's some juice here. There's something going on. And so we were going to go to the Seder meal. And this is back pre-COVID when it was like we were doing it real big, right? And uh, because of some things going on in our life at the time, we were a little bit financially strapped. You probably don't remember this. You said, don't worry about it, Pastor Matt. I got you. You probably forgot about that. I did it. And so my wife and I were able to go and we sat around a table with a bunch of complete strangers, um, different age demographics than us. Loved it. Incredibly kind. They gave us a charisma, a little gift of grace, and welcomed us in kindness. And and my wife and I felt strengthened in that time in our faith. We felt uh, encouraged, like, you, you, like y'all came alongside us and, and we were speaking a good word. And we saw, we saw Passover completely differently. I started thinking about communion differently. Like when we did communion at my church, I'm like, this is different. This is, this is like a little version of Passover. This is based on Passover. And it was enriching. Then we were like, okay, let's go to Rosh Hashanah. And that was an amazing experience as well. And just experience after experience, we loved it. And it was so helpful to me. And I'll get at that a little bit more. So helpful and so enriching to me. And I just had this fondness and this fidelity for the Jewish people, for the Messianic movement, and specifically to Beth Hillel. Both all of you here, and who's going to be here tomorrow, and people watching online. And so I even had a couple of meetings with Rabbi Kevin and they were significant to me. They meant a lot to me because he was able to kind of walk me through this difficult season of ministry I was in at my old church. And I love everyone at that church and it was an incredible experience there, but it was a difficult road. And, and so, Rabbi Kevin was able to help me walk through and, and kind of guide and, and, and direct me in that. Well, then um, I actually was recording, I got to this new church that, um, it's the church I'm at now, but I was in a different role and I was a student pastor. And I recorded this sermon where I talked about the importance of mentors, of people who are followers of Yeshua, who are wise. And they were they were like, you know, they were like later in the game and they could speak into your life and help direct you and, encourage, and strengthen you and, and speak truth to you and build you up and encourage you. And I talked about Rabbi Kevin. And I explained who he was to these students as I was at this new church while I sent him the video because I wanted to honor him in that. Well, then what's really cool is I started getting to know Dara and Mark a little bit, and they very generously asked me, hey, why don't you come speak to our our, our youth group here? And then that led to, one thing led to another, and then... I got some other opportunities to speak to the YMJA, and that was really cool. And I've just enjoyed my experience all the way around, top to bottom, left to right. And I can say that Beth Hillel has been a gift of grace to me, a charisma. It has strengthened me in my faith. It has, uh, you all have come alongside me in parakaleo and encouraged me, and I am thankful for that. I'm going to shout you down right? I'm going to shout you down. And Rabbi Kevin, you have had an inestimable effect and impact on my life, and I really appreciate that, and on my spiritual formation, and on the way I do ministry, and I do ministry different now. Uh, when I'm, I've since moved from the student pastor role into this discipleship pastor role, but before I did, I was actually going to take my students through uh, the different Hagim. and I was like, because y'all need to know. Like, I did, a, I did a series one time called The New, and we, t- we talked about Rosh Hashanah. Uh, we talked about Day of Atonement, Right? Uh, and so it's, it's changed so much, and it's enriched so much. And now, like we celebrate Passover every year, we have we have, we have, we have a Seder meal every every year. And and little Ruth will grow up with that now. And and so, what you all do, who you are, matters, and it's important. And all of you watching online, what you do and who you are matters, as you are a gift that you who strengthens and encourages people like me, people who are new to walk in here. I, would, I hope more and more people who work in churches like I work in, I hope more come together, just like in Rome, come together as Jewish and Gentile followers of Yeshua, and, and, and there's this fidelity as we faithfully endeavor to follow Yeshua. I pray for more and more of that. And so, as I said earlier, we're gonna talk today, just like we started out talking about, we're gonna end with, Today. Gratitude, say gratitude. gratitude. And encouragement. And so let me give you some gratitude here. I'm just going to be really pointed here, and then we're going to get to Romans 16 and we're going to drop the mic and walk away. Not literally. I don't think this thing moves, okay? <laughs> and the impact's not the same with this thing. Uh, thank you. I am grateful that you have helped me root more deeply in my faith. I am grateful that this place, the Messianic movement in general, has given me a, a different kind of gravity in following Yeshua. It has made the text come alive in a different way. It's given me more context for the text. So thank you for that. Thank you for rooting me in that. And and ooh, I want to be very generous in how I say this. I wish more pastors in context like where I work and teach and serve would have that same experience because I think it's beautiful. And, and it's awesome because, well, I'll get to this. I almost got ahead of myself. Ha <laughs> ha, I almost got ahead of myself. Thank you for helping me more intimately encounter Yeshua as I am able to say these prayers and liturgies and sing these songs that Yeshua sang in the temple 2,000 years ago. Come on now. Thank you for your solidarity with the Jewish people. I'll be honest with you, that was eye-opening to me because as someone who works at a Protestant church. Not in a way to besmirch. It's just how it is. Don't talk about the Jewish people very often. It's not a thing. It's on my radar now, and I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for the fact that somewhere like this exists because a Jewish person would be more prone and apt to come here because this looks more like what they would expect, more like something that in love and kindness can can accommodate them where I can't do that in my context that I do to the same level you can. And so I'm so incredibly grateful that you guys do what you do in that. And it's not, it, it is noticed and it is appreciated. Um, thank you for being this beautiful mixture of Jewish, ethnically Jewish people and Gentile people. I feel like this place does a great job. Just like Rabbi Sheol wanted the, this gathering in Rome to do. I feel like together in Yeshua You walk, and you sing, and you praise, and I am so grateful that there is an expression of that, and that is encouraging to me, so thank you for doing that. Hear my gratitude in that. It's good for my soul to see that. Thank you for allowing me to be your brother in Yeshua, for being part of the adopted family of God, part of this redemptive scheme and plan in history that the Lord has been unwinding from Genesis through Revelation. Thank you. Um, I, I want you real quick. If you would turn in Romans to chapter eleven, I didn't tell y'all we're going there because I want to surprise you with it. Chapter eleven, go to verse seventeen, and I want—I want—in in my thanking you, I want to point something out that I'm—I'm I'm, I'm very aware of. But if some of the branches, we're talking about this—the branches, we're talking about the tree is the Jewish people, and the branches are Gentiles who have been grafted in. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became a partaker of the root of the olive tree, these covenants, the promises of the Lord, with its richness, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, it is not you who support the root, but the root supports you. Ooh, I'm going to just stop it there because I'll get too carried away. I realize as a Gentile follower of Yeshua, I'm grafted in. I'm grafted and I'm grateful. I'm glad, I am grateful that the Lord in his kindness, this has been the scheme, this has been the plan all along. It's a beautiful plan of redemption. And I do not take it lightly and I don't enter into it with entitlement. And I was thinking about this. The Lord has been so kind that through Yeshua that I've been grafted in as a Gentile. And I was thinking about this, like if someone had like box seats to Atlanta Hawks game, I'm a huge basketball fan. I wouldn't get in the box seat and be like, all right, here's what I think we should do. Redecorate, all right? I'm more of a Knicks fan. So let's do it this way. No, I'm gonna sit in that box seat in gratitude and say, thank you. And so I think that should be true of of someone like that, that. You know, that is true of me. I am grateful that I get to be grafted in and I realize that. And the Lord in his kindness has done that. And so know that moving forward, you have a brother in Yeshua with me. You have an ally in Yeshua with me. You have a student. You have a student in me. And I and I am very tremendously, profoundly grateful for that. And I know there is a long history sometimes, going back to the box seat analogy, of sometimes where there's this, this story of Israel, this Jewish Messiah. I know there have been times when a Gentile culture goes, nope, here's what we're going to do. And that has been a movement in the history of the church. And I'm aware of that. And I do lament that. And, I, and my involvement in relationship with Bethlehem, with the Messianic movement, has, has made me very aware of that. So thank you for your grace, thank you for your kindness, and thank you for your example. Now let me encourage you. Let me end today by encouraging you. It's a very simple encouragement. Keep on. Press on. Uh, Is it just me or has this year been really hard? Is it just me or has this year been really uncertain? Is it just me or has this year kind of got us all a little bit dizzy? Is it just me or has it seemed kind of even uncertain moving forward? Press on. Keep on. What you do matters. You gathering, whether here in person or online, it matters. You committing to this congregation, to together, Jewish and Gentile, faithfully pledging our allegiance and our identity to Yeshua, that matters. That's important. Press on, keep on in that. And I want to read as encouragement. Before we get to Romans 16, I want to read this from Isaiah. I heard a song this morning and this was in it. And I was like, oh, I got to read that. I got to read that. Isaiah 40, 39. Or sorry, 40, 31. Gotcha. But they who wait for Adonai will renew their strength. They will soar up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. And I want you to hear that and be encouraged by that today. Keep on, press on. Who you are and what you do matters. And so let's end with Romans 16. That will end, again, primacy, recency. Rabbi is opens the letter a certain way, talking about a certain kind of thing. And we see this gratitude. Say gratitude. gratitude. And, encouragement. and encouragement. We see here in chapter 16, we see gratitude, gratitude. And, encouragement. and encouragement. Let's read. 16, verse 25. Now to the one, this is like this brilliant wrap-up. It's like if there was a band behind Rabbi Shul, like the band starts to swell, right? If there's strings, the strings are coming in high. Like everything crescendos. And we see this, now to the one who is able to strengthen you, strengthen, we talked about that, strengthen you according to my good news and the proclamation of Yeshua the Messiah, the beautiful proclamation of Yeshua the Messiah, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for ages, but now is revealed and through the writings of the prophets has been made known to all nations according to the commandment of the eternal God to bring about obedience of Faith and commitment and loyalty to Yeshua. To the only wise God through Yeshua the Messiah, to him be the glory forever. Amen. Be encouraged by that. If you're feeling down this week, go read that. If you're feeling down next month, go read that. If you just have nothing to do on a given day and you're bored, go read that. And so, as we end our time together, gratitude and encouragement. Thank you for who you are. I'm going to shout you down. continue on in what you do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for your beautiful redemptive plan, and thank you that you, um, Yeshua, are all drawing all nations, all tribe and tongue to you. We thank you that you have forgiven us, Yeshua. You have atoned for sin you have taken that into the grave and then rose, and that you rose victoriously. Thank you, Yeshua, that you have called us into resurrected life, that you have called us into new creation, that you have called us to follow you, Yeshua. Thank you for the ongoing way of Yeshua that, that, that we follow, that we draw in. And thank you that you are continually renewing and restoring all things. May we be a part of that. And may we continually, as followers of, of Yeshua, as Gentile and as Jewish, come together. in, in distinction, in diversity, but in unity as we follow you, Yeshua. And we place our faith, our belief, and our faith and our allegiance and trust in you. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace.
1: I told you he got it, didn't I tell you that? Didn't I tell you he got it? He gets it. He gets it. My gosh! So listen, that's uh, that's incredibly uh, generous and and uplifting and encouraging. Uh, and so, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Matt. I mean, listen, uh, quite honestly, uh, you know, you you have been a huge blessing to us and to me as well. And uh, and I'm so incredibly thankful for for your life and your influence. And I remember one of the times we met uh years ago and and uh, we were talking about god's plan for you and i said i really think that you you are going to be a light and shining some of this stuff into the rest of the world and you know what this is what we can pray for pastor matt can't we you know we need more pastor matt's yes <laughs> man the lord is using him powerfully at north metro church and uh and i'm so grateful to them uh, for bringing him in, and uh, wow, what a blessing he is to that body. Amen. Amen. Oh, so thank you so much, uh, Michael. Why don't you come up and, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we just uh, join me. We pray for for Pastor Matt and Brooke and Ruth. Lord, please bless them and their family, uh, God. And and I pray Genesis twelve three uh, for this man uh, that you will bless him because he has blessed us. So please bless him and his life, his family his church body, I pray blessings upon them, Lord God, and I thank you for them. And I thank you for this word that has been uplifting and encouraging to us, uh, and, uh, and I, I thank you, Lord, for, for keeping on, keeping on, Lord. B'shem Yeshua,
0: amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend.